0: Herzlich willkommen zum Modelleinsatz, der mathematische Podcast aus Karlsruhe mit Gudrun Täter und Sebastian Ritterbusch. Hallo Bruno Pussigno.
1: Hallo. Nice to
0: be here. So, it's kind of an interesting situation because you are my first mechanical engineering students, uh, for which I was the supervisor on the master's thesis. Maybe it's a good idea um, that you start our conversation with explaining what was the objective of your thesis uh, in order to step by step see why, as a mathematician, we could contribute uh, to the task which gives you, in the end, the title of a master of energetical engineering. So,
1: um, my master's was part of um, of a project from someone in the chair of renewable and sustainable energy systems in TUM. That Which wa- is
0: the technical university in Munich. Yes,
1: mm-hmm. um, that um, he wants to, to build um, a replica of a microgrid and uh, with heating system, with uh, uh, renewable energy uh, systems... But he aims to analyze these um, renewable energy systems with an analytical approach. Now, the thing with renewable systems is that they're highly dependent on weather, so we needed to come up with an analytical weather or yeah, weather model in order to use in this project.
0: Yeah. Hence so what thesis. you're speaking about is uh, especially photovoltaic uh, and systems wind and wind systems. And so you need sun and wind data, for we example.
1: We focused on three weather phenomena, solar irradiation, air temperature and wind speed, because they are the most important for the, um, the photovoltaic and wind uh, wind renewable generation so we we are first aiming for a basic concept so starting starting from the the basic concept and building on it so we went to we are only focusing on the most widespread technologies
0: Yes, widespread in the sense, as I was referring to, photovoltaic and uh, sometimes also using uh, sun to heat water and to use this as a heating system, which is kind of similar. Only that heat is the energy and not um, electric. It's also
1: useful for residential heating.
0: Yeah, residential heating. And uh, if you have um, bigger companies using that, that can also help a lot. Just keeping things as simple as possible. Of course, you could also say electricity is very simple because it's easy to transport and it's easy to convert, but there's always um, some payment if you have to convert energies. Um, Of course, the question is, um, probably the first question is um, for for these kinds of systems, if you are planning to change to renewable energies like photovoltaic and wind turbines, you should first know if there is um, enough um, um, potential. potential, yeah, this was the word I was looking for <laughs> if there is enough potential, and in order to answer this question, which is a, a really a hard question, um, you need um, assumptions about the weather, which are based on observations and based on predictions uh, to the future, which can be done on the basis of the observation from the past. And so um, th- this is um, kind of part of the question of your thesis.
1: and their sustainability as well. Their uh, reliability still one of the biggest questions with renewable energies, because especially at night, uh, well, only two or uh, only wind can actually provide uh, electricity. So a whole uh, new balance or a whole new uh, energy game. Uh, exists within the renewable energy system. Hence, the, the need to analyze and to really test in these systems.
0: Okay, that's, a, that's the second question, you know, because it's not enough that you have just the sum, that the sum is okay, but also the distribution over time. Exactly,
1: very important distribution.
0: Hmm. So, it it's, uh, means if you want to make uh, decisions which um, really hold for the future or you can convince also other persons really to take a lot of money and invest it, which is kind of the same thing just from a different point of view. Uh, You really need good models.
1: I would say so, especially because right now we're still, uh, we still have um, um, a centralized, synchronous machine-dominated energy system, but uh, we're moving towards a more, uh, decentralized power electronics uh, system energy mm. system and this transition is not trivial. You That's really need to be all. analyzed. Yes,
0: of course also since we are so used uh, that uh, energy is always available there's ne- at least in Germany, um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that um, if, if there is a shortcut of energy, there is really a big outcry, and it might happen like um, every 20 years or something. So it's really something which we remember for a long time if this happens. And then um, one of the criticism to renewable energy very often is that they are not reliable enough in this sense.
1: Yeah, uh, especially because photovoltaic, probably the most predominant one, um, it has only well only works half of the day.
0: Mm, yeah, yes. not in the night. Yes. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> the thing is, um, I'm also kind of. Um, Uh, Of course, I'm kind of taking part in this process because um, in my age, I saw things starting in the 80s, um, asking for, um, um, if we don't find solutions for nuclear powers, uh, where to put all the waste, we should maybe consider not using them, was one of the questions. And then the next question was, of course, uh, using coal, <clears throat> and uh, contributing to the heating of all the atmosphere is also kind of very problematic. And then to find uh, new ways to do that, and people proposing new ways to do that were considered to be um, uh, not reliable at all, just to put it mildly. Maybe they should be put to an asylum or things like that, They're so really mentally ill. Uh, not considered to be to taken serious, but uh, during the last twenty years, we've seen that indeed it can work. So the transition is happening. Um, of course, uh, since I'm not really an expert, do you know numbers? How much of the percentage, for example, in Germany or uh, Europe?
1: I actually, I actually have it here um, in in Germany. Mm-hmm. have seen one of the biggest uh, well pushes for mm-hmm. renewable renewable energies, and. Um, it has seen between uh, uh, the 90s and 2016 an mm. increase in installed capacity from 4.1 gigawatt to 100 gigawatt in renewable energies, which corresponds to an annual power consumption share of 3.4 percent to uh, 31.7. respectively. So one
0: third approximately is already renewable energy. Yes, uh, that's kind of yeah, that's kind of a proof that at least they can contribute a lot. Then, of and, uh, course, the question is if they can take everything.
1: Germany was a special case because it really pushed it while it was not economically competitive. Mm. And uh, this, uh, this barrier is no longer as evident. Hence, so many nations now taking uh, now renewable energy systems much more seriously.
0: Yes, after the example... It, it gets easier. I
1: think in Germany it was much more political than anything else.
0: <laughs> yes, I agree with that. <laughs> At least something political, which kind of um, um, was a good thing to happen. Um, maybe um, if we go back to your master thesis, what was the situation when you started to work on your question?
1: So I I started from an existing model for my supervisor at the chair. Um, And uh, it's a weather generator model. Now it's a stochastic weather generator.
0: (laughs) Sorry, I have to laugh because weather generator sounds like you have a machine which makes weather.
1: (laughs) I got that joke a lot. (laughs) (laughs) But but it needs to be distinguished. It was actually first introduced in 85 Mm -hmm. by Richardson uh, to estimate uh, uh, crops. So it was um, mainly an agriculture uh, tool.
0: Yes, just for them it's as Im- important as for making energy, yes. And it
1: started by modeling uh, mainly precipitation and air temperature. So the main uh, weather phenomena uh, are the most important for uh, crops and for agricultural use. But now, with the search of uh, renewable uh, energy systems, I think it was around two thousand five that many uh, more uh, weather-generated models started focusing on these these weather phenomena needed to generate electricity. Mm. Now, what distinguished the weather generator from a Uh, forecasting model is that uh, the weather generator doesn't try to say when and when a certain, uh, let's say, air temperature is going to occur. What it does is uh, it uses uh, stochastic processes and then it tries to replicate the statistical distribution of these weather phenomena. So they might not occur at the same time, but we still need to see a similar daily behavior and a seasonal behavior. So hence the, the stochastic uh, weather, weather generator.
0: Yeah. So of course, from a mathematical point of view, it's very important uh, to work with um, tools, which we know from stochastics, like distributions. Exactly. And what type of distributions are distributions which are useful in the context of weather data?
1: So uh, we're using as the fundamental input for each weather phenomena uh, um, a random white noise. This is what we've decided... Because we're we're modeling the behaviors of weather. So in this case, the seasonal, the daily, uh, the rate of change of each weather phenomena. But there's so much noise, even in measured data, that we cannot attribute to anything specific. So we decided to start with a white noise. So we're starting with noise itself and then introduce these sort of behaviors. And then uh there's different ways to describe a random white noise but arguably the simplest simplest one is by its mean and standard deviation hmm. so a normal distribution so this is our fundamental input uh a standard normal distributed white noise uh in which we we then insert the the behaviors of the weather and it will at the end exhibit the same statistical distributions as them
0: so inhibit uh, so in kind of training of this uh, distribution happens with data which were measured in the past
1: yes uh, so in order to um, there's two components to well it's not the, there's a model and then there's an analysis concept so the model it's an analytical set of equations that uh, introduces behaviors, that models them. Mm. But they need parameters. This is uh, another really important focus of the thesis, is the, the simplicity that we're trying to achieve. Um, but the parameters are calculated in a well, sort of discrete way to compare it. So it's a series of numerical uh, optimization processes.
0: So the optimization is kind of that the parameters are the best one which um, um, lead to results which are the results which you observed. In the past. Uh, Yeah. Mm. Uh,
1: But the measured data comes in the analysis concept. Mm. It doesn't come in into the model. Yeah. So the model uses the parameters and white noise. Yeah. But the analysis concept is where we look at the measured data. And in this case, we consider eight years to be sufficient to have a... um,
0: Kind of a typical... Yeah, a typical standard mm -hmm. deviation, a
1: typical mean. And... uh, it's it 's from those eight years of data uh, which we used it was actually satellite data um, we try to capture these these features of the weather so I'm like wh- how is the amplitude during seasons? how is the amplitude during during the day? how fast does it change throughout the seasons and throughout the day these are the these are the th- the behaviors that we try to parameterize
0: and um of course, if you say it should be as simple as possible, it's clear because you want to use it uh, to make um, predictions to the future, which are really fast for certain uh, situations. Um,
1: well, one of the reasons that it would be, uh, it, it is uh, computational, well, computationally fast. Yeah. And another thing is, it's meant for uh, renewable energy systems research, so it's not meant for absolute accurate uh, like. Uh, replication of weather is like, to test how do these systems behave. Mm. And uh, for that, we do not, we do not need uh, a very low or a very high accuracy. We need a high accuracy. Yeah. So the, there's some room to, to maneuver and yeah. hence the, the simple model. Hence, we wanting something computational fast.
0: Mm. Of course, then uh, still the question: uh, a simple model. How many parameters does it need? Uh,
1: that's the thing. We're um, we're modeling three weather phenomena: solar radiation, air temperature, and wind speed. And we're using a total of twenty six constants, so twenty six numbers. Seven, uh, uh, no, uh, eight for the eight for the solar radiation. Nine, nine, uh, and we. Those twenty six numbers, we can replicate the most important uh, weather phenomena. So it's, I can t- I, I, really think it's hard to come up with uh, an even uh, smaller, thing. less parameterized yeah. model. It's, it's really grasping the limits.
0: Yes, I'm really astonished that um, it's possible to work with so few parameters and to get results which make sense. And even, you know, um, it, um, it doesn't really help if you only replicate these results for one point on the Earth because you should be able to do this at um, different points on Earth which kind of have similar... Um,
1: well, this is where the... We still needed to uh, keep a certain amount of parameters because if we could only look at one location, Mm. yes, we could reduce it even further. But uh, the model we came up with, it's a, uh, it's a general concept. So it's supposed to be adaptable to any latitude in our, uh, in our planet. We didn't actually take in, uh, into account longitude. The m- uh, methods uh, that we use only take into account l- latitude. But it has shown uh, r- uh, really good results for different latitudes and different weather uh, climates.
0: Mm-hmm. And what kind of points on Earth did you um, test for your model?
1: So we used a variety of different locations. Mm-hmm. And we started with Garching. So that's the initial data that's set the that we had. That's
0: point where have. the TU has their yes. institutes. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: But then we, one of the things we noticed that we might be overfitting the model. Mm. So afterwards, we moved on to a series of different locations, such as Fortaleza, Brazil, Namib, Angola, Seoul in Korea, Galicia in Spain, Toronto, Canada. We, we started reformulating the model iterating so that our approach could could fit uh, these different uh, weather um, weather conditions in different climate zones and then um, afterwards we moved on to a, a third phase where we said okay we're going to test a new different uh, new uh, new weather datasets but this time we're not going to reformulate. So now the data sets we're going to test it are going to be the final results and we're going to see how is the accuracy of our model. So we tested sites such as Perth in Australia, Tehran in Iran, Beijing, China, Madrid in Spain, Bogota in Colombia and Cape Town in South Africa. So we range from minus 33 degrees latitude north to 40 degrees latitude. And I think this is' it's a vast a vast uh, uh, um, area of our planet so. yeah
0: especially it 's the area where really people are living exactly If you go more farther away, of course you could also have the opinion that um, where nobody is living, you could use that in order to produce energy and then transport it, but um, that 's kind of not in the
1: yeah that 's a, a different topic also. Yeah, yeah. It can be used, but it's not the the initial idea.
0: Yeah. Um, Of course, in a way, it's a question if you are working with such kind of model... Uh, you have to yeah okay you just read papers um get yourself accustomed with ideas which were already there with ideas which might be helpful uh, sometimes this works sometimes this doesn't work so what kind of um other colleagues did you have uh, which um helped you to understand the topic better because uh, the question behind that is i guess that's kind of an interdisciplinary thing to do
1: Um uh... Actually, not many, <laughs> because most models uh, that, um, that I've seen, like either published or other people I've worked with, are not analytical. Mm. And this is something that uh, it's a, a, a main objective of our thesis. It needs to be completely analytical.
0: This means you, in the end, you have formulas which you yeah only formulas, Mm. and it's
1: time continuous. Yeah, and uh, we can jump from one hour uh, time sampling to one second, to one millisecond, to twenty hours. Yeah. So, this is something really important for uh, for our model, and very actually very little uh, is done in this uh, in this context. Most uh, uh, most models that try to describe and these weather phenomena first they do not exactly use um, the three that we're using so they might try to model only one or two of them and they do not necessarily correlate them so at the, at the end we're left with a very small pool of other uh, papers of other works that can um, influence uh, what we're doing so a lot of the work was done, well, me and my supervisor there, Franz Christang, just sitting in front of the board and trying to come up <laughs> with new, more effective ways to, to model.
0: Yeah. Um, of course, in a way, um, ah, that's always, also a question I, I always asking my mathematical students, how well did you be prepared um, through your study courses um, to, in the end um be successful with such a problem for the scissors
1: i would say to a reasonable extent however um especially during the masters um, my focus has been the energy system itself Mm. and this is a step backwards as in this is something necessary for the energy system and uh, it's, uh, well, it do, didn't have so much of the engineering I've been studying, much more of the mathematics, like methods, uh, like this uh, statistics. And this is something that I did study everything, it's just I've never put it into practice to such an extent. So I always, it's not always, but at least in the beginnings, I felt really rusty with it. That's the thing. I've never had such a practical uh, example of um, these courses.
0: Yeah. Also, I think um, during the time when we teach you, uh, very often everything is very well limited. So there's a certain am- amount of things we teach you, which we expect you to learn, and then in a certain way to reproduce during an exam, even if it's written on oral exam. But there is kind of a labor amount you have to do, which is kind of predictable more or less from the outside. But with the master's thesis, of course, there is some initial condition. Then there is a wish. But how you really go through this time, Is uh, always an experiment.
1: Well, and another thing that I felt really uh, different is the the roller coaster that is the thesis. So at least in the course, I know that at the end there will be an answer. Either whether I know it or not, we know that there's an answer. Uh, Someone has already done it.
0: There's an expert in the room who should know the answer. Well, it's not
1: necessarily true. And uh, I, in the beginning, since we had an initial model that we wanted to to work on, uh, it was sort of um, a place that we know where we went. But as the month the months went by, we went into a well, the undiscovered area where we really didn't know what w- what would come out of it. And uh, finally, at the end, I think we did agree that we liked the results. We, we got our, our general uh, modeling approach, but uh, it's this little difference that of knowing that someone has the answer and not knowing if we're going to get an answer has a great impact in how we proceed.
0: Yeah, I can imagine that. Uh, so maybe that's also a good chance uh, to speak a little bit about the study course you were taking, for example, here in Karlsruhe. So what is the name? Uh, what kind of colleagues do you have? And what is the main objective so of the education there?
1: So I'm a student in Karlsruhe for energy technologies, but from Kik, uh, from EIT. They're no longer kick. Mm-hmm. EIT, so I've... Uh, only been here for my second year not for my first year since we need to split them and uh, here i uh we're a combination of three fields of study so mechanical engineers electric electrotechnic engineers and chemical engineers and uh, the the aim of this master is to really combine all of these three um, sort of fields of study uh and get them worked th- to work together in energy systems. Uh, here I've mainly focused on the um uh, power generation, um both in my interdisciplinary uh course that I had to do, which which was to build a virtual power plant for the area of Kaljua. Um and then some other courses, but they all were related to uh, uh, power uh, power generation. Um, any, anything more in particular? Uh, well, about the thing the is, of here? course,
0: you jumped over the aspect that um, you had to take your first year somewhere else. Ah, okay. okay. So I guess you do, do, did that in Lisbon.
1: Um, yes, in Lisbon, I actually took the time to. Do a lot of my specialization there mm-hmm. which is fuels and utility facilities so i actually um, learned a lot about petroleum refinery and the petrol assessment reservoir and uh, these sort of courses there mm-hmm. and here i focused more on the the general um general concepts for energy systems
0: yeah, so this is a study course which, is, uh, which um, strongly relies on the fact that several universities collaborate, and the students are forced to change after the first year.
1: Yes, uh, so in our first year, we can either start in IST Portugal mm-hmm. or KIT um, Karlsruhe. Karlsruhe. Mm-hmm. Uh but then in our second year, we can we can still have these two options, but and uh, Uppsala in Sweden and Grenoble in France uh so it's a collaboration between these um these universities and the master's school is forcing us uh not to get too comfortable yes. so they're really forcing us okay you study mm-hmm. here you do your pro your projects there you do it as your best um, as best as you can there but after a year you're going to learn it somewhere else you're going to see a new perspective you're going to talk to different people and see their version of things
0: yeah and cause everything relies on the fact that we teach you in English on all these four places Yes. Yeah, because otherwise it gets a bit too complicated. If you change after a year, then you have to learn the language of the country and then also the... Well, I
1: think there's always a general um, attitude from the students to get to know the language, the yeah. country they're in. So there's uh, still a lot of German students in our program, so they they have the benefit that they can attend extra classes. Yeah, else. that's
0: true. They have more options.
1: So I had that option in Portugal yeah. for me. yeah. yeah. Um, but people who go to Grenoble or on, and uh, Uppsala, after six months or a year, they they can communicate on a basic level that language as well. Mm-hmm. And I think this also comes from the fact that we're a very diverse uh, program, so there's n- no real um, density of only one group of students.
0: So heterogeneous. Yes. Yeah, uh, this is kind of a thing when we, we started to build this course um, here in Karlsruhe. I was a little bit involved when we were discussing what kind of courses would be useful and how to single out persons who are Uh, are really able to follow the study course because in a way this is really kind of uh, asking the students to do a bit more than usual because um, you have to do everything in a year then you change uh, you have um, no comfort zone at all and becoming an engineer is hard anyway uh, even for our German students taking all the classes in German and things like that and um, this was also the point when we said that it would make sense also to have some mathematical education for them. That's why I I was involved in in discussing that. And um, uh, I was fascinated by the fact that from the very beginning they are asking students with very different uh, education they had before as bachelor students as you were referring to mechanical engineering, electrical engineering, chemical engineering, and uh, from different countries where this also means kind of different things. Exactly. And then uh, you bring them all together and uh, during one year you have to make them learn the same things, uh, which is um, fascinating but can be really hard.
1: It's really hard, but it forces us to cooperate. That's the thing. The people or at least from my general experience before I joined this master's, is that uh, the group of people that I worked in at university didn't have to be so uh, tied together or to cooperate so much. And when we joined this program, since all of us were out of our comfort zone and we were from different fields and we had to take same classes, everyone was helping each other Uh, with what they knew this is something recurring throughout the two years there was always someone either offering or asking asking for help
0: and uh, you consider this to be very positive
1: very positive I think it really brings uh, uh, the best in in a lot of people because there's so many things that I'm not aware that I don't know because I don't know (laughs) I don't know that I don't know them and uh, getting to talk to these people, and especially talk about energy systems, about people from India, from uh, Greece, from Colombia, it really brings a new perspective that it's different than reading a paper about it. It's different than uh, just watching some news about it. So we get to learn about what is it like. In their daily life. So we put a face to a problem. Mm. And um, I really have to say this has helped me tremendously to broaden my, uh, well, my spectrum of vision, let's say, uh, to new issues that were completely alien to me because I had never faced them. I had never even heard of them.
0: Yeah. So in a way, you you learn a lot of different things. You learn all the engineering aspects for renewable energies. Uh, you learn the different cultures and languages of the countries you take your study course in.
1: And there are energy problems as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then you also have the students which come from different um, background of their knowledge and background of their culture. Yeah. yeah. So what um, are your plans for the near future?
1: So right now I'm uh, either pondering whether to look for a job or look for a PhD position. So it's, uh, it's out there. Uh, I would like to remain in Munich. Uh, uh, I, really, I really like the city and I really like the group of people that I got to work with there. I think it's, uh, uh, they're working on the sort of issues that uh, motivates me. That's that's the key. I get motivated when I hear them speak about their research topics.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's uh, that's always the rare thing which we uh, try to ignite in our students, the motivation. (laughs) Especially in mathematics, sometimes it's hard to give the motivation for abstract uh, things, which you use only very much later on. And so, for example, to get the motivation to learn stochastics, uh, sometimes it's good to see uh, where it's used.
1: Well, I have to say that there in the um, in the chair that I work with, it's not like everyone that is pushing for it, but I did see a couple of indi- individuals really focused on bringing this mathematical knowledge to engineer mm. students. Especially uh, my supervisor, Franz Christang and uh, Magdalena Doffner, they were really keen on the importance of mathematics in engineering—it's something that sometimes it's overlooked. Uh, and uh, I, I do agree with them because it puts the the technical spin on, on topics. So it's not just talk; it's now it's real science when mathematics gets involved.
0: Yeah, yeah. Also, if you have like an, in your analytical model, if you have a real formula, which is based on clear assumptions, uh, then it's much easier to talk about it uh, than.
1: And it's much easier it as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just kind of in the sense that it's good science if you can replicate it. Yeah, <laughs>
1: that's, that's another thing that I I forgot to mention, or maybe we didn't get to that. Uh, we're another. Uh, idea that we have for a thesis that we would generate an open source uh, model. Mm. And it is open source. It's in GitHub. It's called SolFont. And there's also a pa- paper pub- published about it. And uh, this is another, um, like on the scientific methodology that w- we're applying, we're not looking as in... Um, make profits out of this it's pure research it's a pure research topic that we're uh that we're facing here
0: yes but then it's, it's also mean it's ready for use for other people yes and anyone
1: um, can can download it can mm. take the code it's in well it's in python it's mm. so to be open source even though the the most of the development was made in matlab uh but that's the thing we like we would encourage people <laughs> to pick up this model, to iterate it, to, uh, to make improvements. We, we, we never at any point say this is a finished model. No, we're, we're working on it.
0: Yeah, it's just the situation the model, um, model is at just now. And hopefully it will improve much more in the future. Yeah. If uh, the more people are involved, the better.
1: Well, it depends if more people are doing, uh, or are based their, um, energy systems research on analytical models. Mm. So the motivation, as I said before, is because in this chair, there's the, um, there's this research aim. So there's a microgrid being built and uh, he has a clear, clear, uh, goal for its research. uh, yeah, if other, other people decide to also look into it, then it's a very useful mm-hmm. uh, tool.
0: Yeah. So thank you very much uh, for taking the time to speak with me about your topic. And um, we will provide all the information on the software also in the show notes.
1: Okay, thank you very much for having us.